Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Today we hear from Akash and Nikita Mehta, siblings and co-founders of renowned Ayurvedic hair care brand Fable and Maine. Inspired by their grandparents and the rich history of Indian beauty practices, they set out just over two years ago to share the rituals their family grew up with. In this episode, Akash and Nikita share their advice on why they wanted to incorporate charity as a key pillar of their business model from the get-go, how they define and manage success, and why purpose is paramount when starting a company. Hi, Akash and Nikki. It's wonderful to have you on How to Start Up today. It would be great if you could give a brief introduction as to who you are and a bit about the business that you started. Absolutely. So I'll go first. My name's Akash Mehta. I'm the CEO and co-founder with my lovely sister, well, Fable and Maine, a little bit bit about me in a nutshell. I'm a four-year engineer, failed engineer, I should say, because I ended up completely pivoting my career into the beauty industry. But now once I'm in it, I can't look back. And it's just had an incredible journey so far working in companies like Burberry, Estelora, Dior. And now I've got my very own company with my best friend, my sister. And you founded Fable and Main with Nikki. Nikki, tell us a little bit about your background. Hi, I'm Nikki. So I'm the creative director and co-founder. So in charge of all the products and like the vision behind Fable and Main. My background was in luxury fragrance. I worked with my father actually for eight years in marketing product development. And Akash and I joined forces because we have such complementary but different skills and bring such unique assets to the table. So it happened to be my brother, but it was also a great, great co-founder. So he didn't get in just the fact that you're related. He actually got in on merit as well. <laughs> to be okay. Yeah. On merit. On, on merit. merit. It was so funny. She had this concept for Fable and Maine, albeit a very skeleton concept, but from the immediate moment she told me about it, I was like, yep, I'll leave my career in corporate for this because this is A, our childhood like memories, but B, it just felt so right. Like the minute, even like anyone who just hears is the name Fable and Maine. There's something very connective about it. It's very storytelling and I fell in love. So I can say this as an outsider because she's the one who came up with the name and all the products. I'm just, you know, I'm the, the boring business guy making it all happen in a way from the, the sales and the financing. But at the same time, yeah, it was it just all kind of fell into place like a perfect jigsaw puzzle. Well, and Nikki, wh- where did the idea come from? Why did you want to start Fable and Maine? So Fable and Maine, it's a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Ayurvedic secrets so from India. But the journey really started by us going both back to our roots. So Ayurveda is the knowledge of life, a holistic life science, which really views beauty, what's lying underneath. And our journey, particularly with my own hair loss journey, mm. really inspired the brand. So Fable and Maine means storytelling. So Fable is a story and Maine is thick hair. India is the home of hair care. And the reason for having healthy, beautiful hair is the daily oiling they do on the hair. So on a dry scalp with a scalp massage. And that's something our grandma used to do for us coming from India in the summers. She'd bring her own concoction of oils. And I remember coming home from school and she'd like give us a head massage and tell us all these stories. And the stories were of like animals from the forest and always had a moral to it, right? Like a fable. So when I had hair loss, like fast forward, I don't know, my mid twenties, when clumps of hair were like coming out in the shower I remembered what can I do to help because you kind of start googling you know searching for remedies Mm. seeing what's out there in the market we couldn't find anything that really replicated grandma's recipes Mm. in a modern way so we were cooking it in the kitchen on like slow heat ashwagandha and coconut oil for like so many hours 
and I started oiling my hair and I missed that storytelling. I was like, I wish she was here to massage it into my hair because hair brought people together uh, growing up as many Indian households have experienced. And that was kind of the aha moment, you know, let's create this one product that can live in everyone's shelves and make everyone's hair care routine better and a ritual. Firstly, can I go for adoption with your grandmother? She sounds amazing. <laughs> she was so nice. Akash, you must talk about Nani. Yeah. I mean, the memory. Yeah, she was just an absolute... Fortunately, both our grandparents... Oh, all our grandparents are not with us today, but I knew like this isn't a perfect homage to them, this brand. So I do feel like she lives on through what we're building with Fable. Yeah, I was very close to her all throughout my childhood and, and growing up. And she was just full of joy, full of stories. Uh, always, always, like just every evening, she used to actually sleep with me most nights in, in my room. And she used to just always, you know, kind of just even until I was like 13, 14, she would like tell me stories and full of them. And sometimes I was like, there are so many. I was like, which is fiction, which is nonfiction. <laughs> but um, she just was such a dreamer. And I think that's what kind of always inspired us is, yes, we have that pragmatic business approach to you know, making a, a business that is meant to last, meant to have profit and P&L. But that dream element is hers. And I think that's what makes us a little bit different to most brands is we do things that are a bit unconventional mm. and we kind of lead with our heart first in everything we do at Fable Remain. Yeah. She loved the garden too. Both my grandparents, they love gardening and, yeah, and the roots and flowers. Like she'd pick apples from an apple tree and then she'd make things. So I think that whole natural ingredient and going back to your roots and touching the soil stayed with us. And yeah. that's why it's a very ingredient-led brand. I was going to say, lots of people have said to me in the podcast, you need to be fixing a client's problem and go in and know what problem you're fixing for your clients and focus on that and do it really, really well. But of course, I'm in PR and communication. So storytelling is my bread and butter, is what I do and encourage brands to do every day. That clearly is a key part of Fable and Main's success. Like, you have layered that in from the get-go and presumably that has been a huge part of your success, do you think? Definitely. I think, you know, hearing all our stakeholders from our retailers, our community, our consumers, our, our employees, they all first lead with that comment of like, I just love the story, the brand, the, the authenticity behind it. And I think that's what drives us to make sure we stick to that because it can be very easy as you build and build the business to start losing touch of your own roots. And when we did it in our own childhood, like we were growing up with Ayurvedic practices and as we got older, we lost touch of our traditions. So, you know, we have to consistently think about our guiding beacon and building this brand, which is exactly what you said. And if it, if every decision doesn't tie into that, we don't make it. Well, one question I wanted to ask is how old is Fable and Main now? So April 2020. We launched. It's when we launched, but it was started like probably 18 months prior to that. I mean, just branding, develop, product development takes a while. We wanted everything to be the best quality. But you say, well, you did, you turned it around in 18 months, which is pretty impressive for a new product line. <laughs> 18 months was pure product development, which was actually like a fair amount of time in terms of MPD. We'd had like hundreds of revisions. But we were so sure of the mission and the why. That often is the hardest part for most people, and the right? Branding. Is understanding what like the name can take months and the the, the brand book and then the, the concept and the product. That we knew instantly, more or less. Time was Nikki's perfection of making sure every product was like 
the best it could be. And that was where I was frustrated. I was like, Nikki, we've got to launch. And she's like, nope, I'm not launching till it's perfect. And thank God, because you know now the products are, you know once you've launched it, you don't want to rush that process. And in hindsight, I have now put that into my day-to-day where we don't rush things until it's the right product. But I will say like the process was quite interesting because we had the concept with Nikki. We had just a, a brand book. You know, We put the concept in a couple of slides. We've got some graphic designers and a few freelancers to help us build this. We then linked in message Sephora with just the concept. And, and we, I think we had like a sample of the Herald, like just a very basic one. And just with that, it was enough to get their interest, get them enticed. We went to see them and then we're literally in the kitchen. It's a Sephora phrase, which basically means working with them, brand building with them. You sort of go in the kitchen with Sephora when you sort of launch exclusively with them. So this is what we did. So we make everything in the US and we launched our first market in the US and with Sephora in store and online. So as you know, and most people know beauty in the beauty world, Sephora is sort of the Mecca and it's like the, the creme de la creme of retail. And because they're not really just retail, they're brand builders too. So we knew instantly there was a lot of work needed to launch in a proper way with Sephora. It's not a, it's not an easy feat. So we were prepared for that. It's when I quit my job at Dior, had a couple of months to focus with Nikki on the brand. But what we couldn't have imagined is a pandemic on the horizon. So that was something that was twofold, right? There was, it was an interesting moment because everyone had to deal with it. So it wasn't like just for us. We didn't launch yet. So we could adapt to our strategy to like focus on all the, we didn't like have things locked into like just events and physical stuff. We were like, okay, let's go digital. Let's go online. But what our brand is, is at-home rituals. And it's a very storytelling brand that's perfect for social media. And my background is digital at Dior. So actually it was to our favor when salons were closed, people were investing in well-being, wellness at home and yeah. rituals. And self-care that they can practice on themselves. Exactly. So actually it ended up being quite a fortuitous moment for the business where we just saw this crazy onwards growth from that moment. And then, yeah, but, but it is hard, I guess, you know, to not visit our stores. We couldn't visit USA for about a year and a half because of the Esther was banned. We couldn't go visit our labs for quality control. We couldn't even visit some of the employees we were hiring both in the UK and in the US. Mm. But it shows you, you know, you can build everything from just a bit of Wi-Fi. <laughs> And everything's solvable, right? You you get roadblocks in any area of the business. Everything. You have to figure it out. And I think that's, you know, my engineering side and Nikki's creativity side is we're always open and fearless of anything that would come our way. You know, we were like, yeah. let's problem solve it together. But knowing we have innate trust in what we what we do in our lifetime of basically building a relationship together, I felt a very comforting knowing it wasn't just, I wasn't alone in it. It was with my sister and, and vice versa. And you've got that support there. But I think that something to really flag to a new founder is that every day you're going to get roadblocks and obstacles and problems. And if, you, if you're if you fearful of the possibility of failing, right, you need to fix that immediately. You have to learn to embrace it. You have it. to embrace it and yeah. use it as an advantage. Like I look at fear and failures as like armor building, like I get excited now by opportunities mm. of like, okay, that wasn't good, but I'm growing from this. I'm learning from this, right? Yeah. In school, we pay to learn. Sometimes the best ways to learn is to be put in the deep end and things don't go right and, and, and go a bit different to what was planned. And I think that's a great mindset to have. And just, you know, quickly mind trick yourself to say, I could either dwell in these issues, you know, be in my slumps and be like, oh my God, what are we doing? Cry about it. Or you can say, let's channel mm. future cash, future business. And let's think about, solving it. And let's think about how it can even be an advantage to mm. us. Maybe we made a change in the business. That means that if it happens at a bigger impact later, it's less, you know, we fixed it now. So that's like a great mindset to have. Very much at the beginning, everything you're doing for the first time, like have you ever built a website before? Probably not. And also you can't be an expert in all things. So knowing where to go for support and, and to learn from other people. And that's where this podcast for me is work therapy. But I was going to say, Nikki, 
you got any tips and tricks for new founders about how to embrace that challenge? I think you have to take time for yourself, like prioritize that. Otherwise, if you don't, the workload will determine that for you and then your health will be a thing. So whatever your meditation is, for some people that's sitting in silence, for some people that could be running, whatever helps you stay present. I personally now have this thing where I'll wake up early, but if I'm not, I'm very conscious of the energy that I bring into a room and I'm responsible for that. And energy is just movement, right? It can never be destroyed. So it can only be transformed. So if I'm not feeling my 80%, I don't want to leave the house. Simple as that. If I'm not Mm. feeling at least that I can add value to a room because that's my body language, my energy will speak before I do. I think that's really important as a leader or as a founder it's not just always about profit and your goals and your vision you have to let go so I would honestly say the best work a founder can do for the team for your business for your customer is to work on yourself and that's quite challenging because there's a lot already on your shoulders right you're working alone you yeah. have dreams and visions yeah. and ambitions and you're already very vulnerable but if you do that inner work and look at yourself it'll make you really strong and you can withstand everything and also know that everything passes so It's a little bit more, I guess, a spiritual answer, but I think it's where I've got to after two years of struggling and going around in circles that the best change I can make is with me, not out there. And given the incredible growth that you guys have experienced so quickly, and congratulations on that, what does success look like to you? How do you define success? I think for us, it's really as long as we see every customer delighted, you know, the testimonial, the smiles, the reviews that we get, that they're enjoying using our product. Now for us, we're lucky that, you know, the customer can be sitting in India, the Middle East, the US, soon Singapore. It's incredible that we're growing globally because of that. But I think as long as we never lose that mission, that personal touch, because we're a family owned business, right? Mm. So anyone who's in our company, they feel welcome and warm and a someone using our product, they're part of our family. So I think as long as we never lose that touch, that will be our measure of success. What importance should founders place on a charitable commitment within their business? So, I mean, this is a very personal thing. I believe in corporate social intention, like always intend to be doing good, especially if you're driving a business that's predominantly, Mm. let's be honest, going to drive profit and and revenue. Mm. I think there needs to be some form of impact that's done into the planet, into the communities. And often there's different ways to do that, right? There is donations, there's education, there's awareness, there's a lot. And they can, in a mix of all is the best way always. But we personally were very passionate about that. We went maybe a step extra where our business plan is not to work with an existing charity, but build our own charity in tandem with building our own brand. So we're not building one company, but two companies here. We're building our own charity. Is that the Fable Fund? Exactly. It's called the Fable Fund. It's me and my sister's charity. And right now, the way we're building it, um, just for everyone to understand transparently, is it's self-funded from family money right now because we're building it from scratch. It's mainly working and helping wildlife conservation, big cats in general, in Africa and India to help them thrive in their own natural habitat. And of course, it not only is helping the animals itself, it's not just the big cats, it's also the ecosystem around it, plus the humans around that, so the villages, the children, school, education. There's a whole 360. And what we're doing is we're visiting India, Africa. We've been visiting recently. We went to India. We'll go to Africa end of the year. We went to Namibia just recently. And all of that is for us to understand which local organizations and local people are we working with. Can we build the infrastructure mm-hmm. of our charity to be respected by the governments locally to not have any money swindled out? 
And can we understand what is really needed first? Is the money actually hitting and making an impact? For that, I and Nikki both felt comfortable to just do it with our own money first, build our own infrastructure before we open it to the public. Because, you know, the last thing I want to do is take money and then not know where, and they don't even know where it's going. So that's what we're doing. Try test it, break it, make it. Exactly. So building it first. And then once we feel we've got a registered, which is registered, but like a very like well-acclaimed and even personally as founders of the charity, like we feel confident that we know exactly what's needed, what the impact's going and, and how efficacious it is, we will start opening it up to public. But what we're doing for now is keeping it as a vehicle for education. So Fable and Maine is connected to the Fable Fund as a way to learn about what we're doing, also learn about what's needed, but still not. There's a few things like some products, donations go, but it's very, very uh, grassroots right now. But stay tuned because it's our impact. Uh, we want to make a big, big... And right now we've done about $300,000 of donations from family money. We, we have a goal to do about a million next year. So I think, you know, once you've done a million and you, you've also seen some impact, and you build the infrastructure, I think people feel also confident in that it's a registered yeah. proper charity. And for you working so hard on Fable and Main, working so hard in business, I feel personally there has to be a, another cause to it. Like if I'm going to work this hard, there has to be something bigger than just... There has to be. I mean, that's the purpose. As you said before, like it, it can get very monotonous and very same, same, and also less, mm. less exciting to just be working on profit, profit, profit. After two, three years, like, okay, you're just, it's just a number and you're doing more and more, but mm. you need to feel grounded. You mm. need to feel like you become the beneficiary as a founder by doing good as well. So having an outlet that does that. Now you don't have to create your own NGO. You could work with amazing existing ones, which a lot of companies do. And you see that in a lot of brands, especially beauty brands. But I definitely think it's it's imperative to have a cause, uh, not only for your consumers and your community, because they love to feel that they're making an impact through consuming or learning about the product, but also for you and your team. I was going to say, you guys started it from the get-go. You're, yeah. you're a young company, but when you have so many things to do in your day-to-day the list just rolls and keeps rolling down and I can feel things in my head reprioritizing it's Mm. like they're not coming off the list but there's things like they'll be on the list for a year until I get to it the fact that you have prioritized this from the beginning and a lot of people have said that it's like start as you mean to go on Mm. and it's such a simple expression but if you don't do it at the beginning it will never happen yeah 100% I think your purpose has to be known it's not Very obvious for everyone. In our case, it was, you know, the Tiger's our logo. It was why we created the the brand. We knew it from our childhood. We knew it. But I think every business today needs to have a purpose, whether you're donating or you're just helping your local community, whatever it is, it needs to have a reason for being. Otherwise, don't do business. And given you mentioned brand building and given how successfully you guys have done that, can you touch on how social media has played a massive part in that? So, uh, I mean, our social media has basically built the foundation for us to communicate with our consumer as a global consumer, especially because we launched in the pandemic. You know, it was hard to do in-person events, obviously have the head massage touch. People were spending time at home. So TikTok really helped mm. videos. I think social media has changed now from beautiful curated photos to real authentic content on your iPhone and just like having our everyday ambassadors as, as our faces and voices. So that's really helped the, the narrative, the conversation for us to communicate. And also not really, we're a brand that has fun with hair care and not, doesn't take ourselves so seriously. I think it's a great medium to show that. Experiment. And experiment, and try, things. try things, meet new people. A lot of our 
close friends today have all we've also met through like Instagram and and one thing I will um, say social media is not just selling product and selling a dream it's also a ga- great gateway and this is more of the business side of me speaking mm-hmm. to find employees you know you can do um, you can even do casting calls for models for your next campaign or even like real consumers you can also test out new product developments uh, by doing surveys there's so much that social media can be I mean what it is is just a group of people you can talk yeah. to in like a couple of seconds right and the more you have the better you can get more data so it's so important to leverage it I often talk to clients it's, it's a lookbook people People go to their preferred social media platform just to sense check things and it's sort of a bit of due diligence but with b2b b2c and then b2e in terms of b2 business to employee which is so important where there's such a talent war and you want the best people within your business it's it gives them a flavor of who you are and that's again i mean by accident our podcast has become a bit of a b2e tool and a b2c tool as well but people can get to know us and it's socialized and you know but i find it fascinating how quickly it's changed one question our previous guest sheena who founded citizen femme magazine wanted to ask i know sheena yeah. oh you know sheena um so interesting really well she's so lovely well she her question for our next guests which were you guys were what is your best and your worst habit oh. as a founder uh, I'll go first. My best and my worst habit is the same habit, which is I work a lot. So it's best because it helps the business a lot. It gets things done a lot more. But the worst is sometimes it, it can also be bad for the business because I can not sleep and I can email a lot and then I can also get tired and affect my personal life. So it's one, because it's my best and worst, I'm very bad at changing it. But um, I'm also like now is a time. I'm so, and, and it's because it comes from a place of passion. I don't do it to make more business, more revenue. It's more because I just love it. Someone said this, like, I'm not self-employed I'm employed just by a company that I happen to start and that was really helpful for me to separate it's like there's a company that's bigger than me that I might have happened to start a few years ago but I'm now working for that company and it's much bigger than just me so that's helped me pull back a bit but Nikki how about you what's your best and worst it's funny my worst habits now become my best habit because now I know when to switch off like I say, she switches off and I switch I off. No emails on my phone. My phone is off. It's in another room by like 8 p.m. I say no. I know my boundaries. I say no now more than I say yes. My communication, I think, is improving. I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but I'm learning to let go. If you just learn to say no and you do it more and more, is it just practice? You just got to rip the band aid off and go, thank you, but no. Because I know when you're starting, it's very hard. I feel like if I'm not going to add value, if I'm not learning or growing, I've got so much to do. How can I say yes and please everyone on my list? I have to focus on what's the most important and that's taking time for myself. It's going back to what I said at the beginning. You have a certain amount of energy in the day, right? Yeah. It's up to you how you choose to use it and invest it and you'll never get that energy back. So you have to be very mindful of where you're putting it. I think I definitely learned the hard way that I do need sleep. I do need to eat. I do need to exercise. And there are times that I need to spend on that. And there's only so many hours in the day, which is really, I mean, can there not be more? But no, apparently not. So is there a question you'd like to ask our next guest? My question would be, if you agree, Nikki, is what is a failure in the past has actually been a blessing today? And mine would be what sparks joy in your life? And any last golden nugget pieces of advice for someone who's thinking about starting a company that you'd like to share? Just do it. I cannot stress enough. You'll never be ready till you make the first step. And don't have fear in knowing that if you make a first step and you realize you're not really passionate about it anymore, or you spend a bit of money on it, or you wasted some people's time, it's okay at that point to be like, tap out. 
I tried, it's not going, or I pivot, but don't let that fear stopping mm-hmm. you from starting. Brilliant. And Nikki? Mine would be, don't always listen to the voices in your head because half of them are not always true. Sometimes you can be a bit hard on yourself. So just accept and then you'll realize there's no real problem if you think about it in the grand scheme. This is very true. Thank you so much. My goodness, I'm going to listen back to this like a hundred times <laughs> to get it all to sink in. But it's so useful. Thank you. Thank you. So lovely to have you both on the podcast. Thank you. Thank Juliet. you so much for having us and for making such a safe space for a conversation we loved it thank you thank you for listening to how to start up i hope these conversations offer you some confidence encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track if you've enjoyed this podcast i'd be so appreciative if you were to rate review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it